Good day, good morning, good night, good wherever you are. Um, welcome to Inquisitive Minds. And we are on our 10th episode, fellas. Hey, big, big 10? Big what? 10. Double big digits? Ten. Double digits. And uh, very, very happy to see that. And very happy. And we're having a very interesting 10th episode as well. Um, so welcome everyone to Inquisitive Minds. And I want to do the needful and introduce the other host, um, the intellectual, the creative, the analytical. I added analytical the last time, um, but it fits in right with the DJ Aaron, it's it. Mega personality, how are you, sir? I'm always great and I'm never late. Ah, boy. All the time. Yeah. All the time. And how things, how the, the opening up treating you? Um, <laughs> opening up of what? <laughs> that was a trick question because <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm still sticking to the um, coming out only when necessary for groceries and stuff like that and exercising now thankfully yes 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 that is real important I mean I'm very very happy that we have that opportunity in our way I know a lot of people have been craving for it you yeah. know but we thank God for that for them small mercies and we want to introduce of course Mr. Ricardo Mitchell, the social sage, my brother philosophy. How are you, sir? I am great like cabbage and cool, slow man. Yeah, man. So how do you open up treating you? Yeah, you able to get all the doubles on the side of the road anyway? You know, actually I haven't gotten doubles. Uh I will. I will sooner or later. You know, I just wasn't for the novelty to wear off. You know, um <laughs> for people to you know, all who rush in, let them rush, let them go. I will take my time. I will go by the vendor that has fewer people. I will go by the shorter lines. I will social distance. I will take my time. I, I real good. I real good. So, I mean, today we come to discuss a real interesting topic, guys. And um, before I introduce you guys, our topic today is to talk about women in engineering and sciences. And we're going to use the acronym STEM, which is science, technology, engineering, and math, right? And we have a guest with us as Celia Garcia James. And before I read her bio, um, I'll, I don't know if Celia will remember this, but I remember when I first got into this whole public speaking thing, and I used to freeze in front of crowds. And I was like, I wonder if I could really ever do this. And I remember a good friend of mine who works with Celia at SPE, Society of Petroleum Engineers, Janice Isaac, she would have said, listen, you don't want to come and give a talk. I was like, I'm not sure if I could do this, this, that. And that was the first time I met Celia. And Celia would have been instrumental in getting me invited to do other SPE talks. And that was actually the kickoff of me actually doing public speaking. And Celia never got up. You did to probably tell you in your face, thank you, but thank you very much um, for that opportunity. And I want to use that time frame. Well, this um, introduction to introduce Celia Garcia James, who's our guest. Hi, Celia. How are you? Hello, Brandon. And very, very happy to be here with you and your co-host. Um, discussing this important topic and very happy as well to hear that was instrumental for you to flourish in this that you look and seem very very comfortable with yes thank you very much 
So we, in, we interviewed Ms. Celia Garcia-James, uh, who is an SP certified petroleum engineer and technical consultant for Halliburton, a landmark with 15 years experience in the oil and gas industry. She has been an SPE member for 20 years and has authored several papers on organic disposition and artificial lifting. Prior to joining Halliburton, she was a petroleum engineering lead for the offshore business unit at Heritage Petroleum. She began her career in, in Petrotrin and worked on optimization of mature assets, field rejuvenation strategies, ENP operations across land and offshore fields. Ms. Garcia-James currently provides technical advice and support to the energy operations and regulators in the Caribbean region to digitally transform their operations. Excellent. She is passionate about energy education, diversity and inclusion, getting to the next generation of leaders, um, getting the next generation of leaders prepared for the energy transition. Celia, welcome to the show, and we are extremely happy to have you here with us to talk a little bit about uh, women in the field of engineering. And I want to do a kickoff question, and we really wanted to kind of get an idea of what getting in the field would have been for you. So I just wanted to get an idea of how did you end up coming to choose engineering as a field, as a as a person who would have grown up um, in the sciences area, how, how, how was that choice for you? Okay, um, well, first of all, thank you again. And I'm very happy that you have me here discussing this. Um, when, when you mentioned about what was the motivation, um, one of my favorite definition of engineering is um, engineering is the application of science to the optimum conversion of the resources of nature for the benefit of humankind. And um, this definition shocked me and it stood with me from the very beginning when I was trying to decide what to do or what to study. And this definition or, or having that big picture of awareness or being part of something bigger than, uh, than me, and it was a great motivation. And in the case of the energy industry, it, I was fascinated from being part of the sector that had a big direct contribution to the GDP of our country. And that the projects that I was being uh, working or was being involved with could really change people's lives. So at the very beginning, I was aware that we look at the numbers, 13% uh, of the population of this planet does not have access to electricity. That is 940 million people, according to the World Energy Council. Hence, trying to solve this problem or being part of this uh, industry that could help solve that problem was um, a great motivation to, to first extend the life of the wells of fine oil and gas to provide that energy. And, and now to be able to apply technology to move from where we are right now to a more sustainable energy source. So that was what motivated me uh, and keep me going. Uh, 
yes, I was good with mathematics and uh, it was and, and physics, chemistry, it, it was just a matter of decide uh, what to do. But that definition of, would you like to be part of this group of people who can solve this problem was the, the ultimate push for me to, to go for it. Right, uh, I'm also coming from a small town in 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 Venezuela, and the uh, the that town was like a ghost town, um, coming from the 50s, 40s, or 1950s, where they had a refinery that um, that was abandoned, and there was you know growing up with the stories of the oil and gas and the bonanza times, and um, that also. Um, give me that drive to to be part of it. Excellent. As I mean, the history and the historical reference, and then linking back to that, something bigger than yourself that you wanted to get involved in. I mean, that, that's an excellent motivation. And one of the follow up, I will ask um, connected to that: when you would have entered the field. Uh, were there a lot of women around in the field? Any anyone that you would have seen as mentors around, or how would you would have developed in the field early on? Yes, um, throughout my career, I have been very fortunate because not only did I meet great people, but also had great leaders and, and managers. All of them male, and. They were great mentors and, you know, they were always keen to support my development and, and, and connect me with the people who will help me to achieve what I wanted to. Um, there were not um, many women um, as leaders. I, I came in, I, re I recall uh, starting my first day working with uh, 13 other young people. It was a, a massive group that I started uh, working and there were many females there. So that was very encouraging for me. So it was not like um, in university, perhaps that also when you continue going or advancing their careers, you're seeing less and less women in the classroom. But uh, in this team was, um, was a balanced group. Um, but in terms of the role models, when I saw around the managers, I did not see many. Yeah. That was at, at the very beginning, yes. And, and this is the thing, eh, guys. I, you know, when you look at the data, and I mean, as any, any business, especially a business that is about optimization, when you look at the data, women in leadership at businesses, uh, have much higher or much better financial performance when you have much more women at, at, at that leadership level. Any business across the platform, across the, the different business profiles, when you have more women in, in leadership who take in control and, and, and provide added value, they actually have much better fi financial performance. Why do you think that is not translated? I, I train it out to them guys and them. Guys, why why you feel that it's not translating across? Um, I would say in our local or regional sector. Well, I am tempted to believe that the challenges that women face, the higher up they go in the corporate ladders and in these structures, it actually it encourages an attitude where you one you have to persevere. 
you definitely have to try harder to get the same distance you have to validate your 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 place your position more than someone else than a male counterpart in a similar position would have to do so so it's almost as if and i'm broad brushing here but i believe it's a possibility that men are taking the position for granted because we don't have to fight for these positions the way that a woman would have to fight for that position so the value that a woman would place on that position in that environment would be greater than what a man might because we and again broad brushing we might be taking it for granted now in trinidad and tobago i'm um, see i i know i have a lot of engineer friends who are women i know a lot of engineers who are women if i had to actually name if i had to list it i could probably name as many women as men and the interesting thing about that is that i know more men who are senior engineers than women mm-hmm. so there's an obvious disparity immediately mm-hmm. and i could tell that some of this would be because we are still operating operating in an archaic archaic manner in the sense that there are facilities that don't consider women's needs and the lack of the facilities for a woman in these environments might make it harder for her to get chosen to go out on call or to go out on a rotation and the lack of experience because of the lack of exposure because of the lack of facilities is a reason why well might be one of the reasons why well you know what you're qualified but you're not experienced you're not experienced because you're not exposed you're not exposed because you're not accommodated so even though the space has been carved through a lot of effort and sacrifice and hard work the system itself still has to keep adjusting to the presence of women as opposed to creating space for the presence of women it's almost as if the system itself is still despite the female influence reactive as opposed to being proactive in terms of facilitating this asset increasing and result generating species so it it is sad because you know what's going to end up happening engineering is about efficiency and when you look at the bottom line someone is going to say well it is cheaper for us to just put a man in that position than it would be for us to modify an entire rig or platform to facilitate a woman being in a position or in a place so i guess is um short sightedness because if you could make the investment now and make the adjustments and the preparations the women in the field in the in the industry would have more exposure more experience and better opportunities to lead and thus more opportunities to impact outcome so uh hopefully with more women like Celia continuing to push continuing to persevere continuing to adjust even as the industry changes we might see a shift but it will still require the support of peers and counterparts and the the system in itself I think so as well boy um but you know and and the thing is that it it amazes me that you know it has shown that when you have diversity at a leadership level especially in the area of science it it leads to much better performance overall because I was reading a, a fantastic story about the mRNA um vaccine and it was one um biochemist i believe she's a biochemist 
from Europe who was studying mRNA, didn't have tenure, didn't have sponsorship at the university level, left her country, came to the US, continued to study it, didn't give up, saw the, the benefit of it, finally got someone to believe in her, invested, worked for years, and at the exact time when the COVID-19 virus started to impact the world, she had all the information available and the research that would led to the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine, um, and then by extension, the Moderna vaccine. If she did not see that value and work through even sacrificing her ability to get tenure at a university in Europe and moved her entire family to the US to explore that, we would not be where we are right now. Eh? So it amazes me. And you know, when you hear stories like that, it really pulls at your heart because you think, wow, if this woman didn't have that determination to actually see the value of, of the science of going, going through this. And that was kind of the inspiration for actually talk actually um, doing this episode when I read that story and I, and I heard this story, I was like, wow, you know, if, if she didn't have that vision, where we would have been today is amazing. I don't know. But I think those things are important. And A, I know you are a finance man and you love the area like me, boy. Um, what, what do you think this be that, that difference in terms of seeing um, financial performance on one end and that not reflected in practice? <laughs> Make you laugh, boy. <laughs> um, I don't even know how to start answering this question. Uh, well, I think you hit the media answer already. Yeah. Yeah. So we did Is it a lack of um perspective, or is it that you what you want to see, you don't think you should see? I'll take the latter. <laughs> I- I'll take the latter because. I have, I have sat in many a meeting with some both, well, both male and female in leadership position and see how some of the men don't even consider the females at the table. And the points that a lot of the females they are bringing up are a lot better than what their male counterparts are. And they are not considered because, well, it came from a woman or I can't be upstaged by by her. So you know what? I'll pick up from a partner or my call. I shouldn't say my partner. That sounds bad. That, that just made the whole thing sound terrible. No, no. I, we, 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 we get I, what you're saying. Yeah. I'll, pick up, for, thing. I'll pick up for my colleague mm-hmm. and support his decision. We're deep down in the corner under the big toe in your safety boots, you know that the decision being put forward by the lady at the table is the best decision to move the company forward. But I have an issue with that colleague. Sorry, go ahead. Yes, you know, um, companies are made of humans and humans and uh, you know he, he he's mentioned it quite right you know they they all have some biases and we label people or we judge people by gender by faith by color our physical appearances and 
it, it that is what happened besides the the business case uh, for uh, diversity and inclusion being so clear that it's not being implemented as fast as it should it says a lot about the biases and the faster as the leaders in organizations could uh, you know be aware of those biases then the faster they could put systems in place like like the systems mentioned before by ricardo about allowing um, or exposing women to the same level of exposure at work or giving them challenging projects as uh, the male counterpart or giving them to rotations or access to all those uh, those tools that the males are being um, um, being offered to really put their playing field in a more even. I will say as well that um, giving tools to women and those are one of the things I have been working um, for the last year is um, be making the awareness to women as well because what I notice for example that in Trinidad in the case of Trinidad there is not uh, a lack of presence of girls for example studying STEM they are outperforming the boys in the primary and secondary level and they are also filling the universities, the two universities in the country. So what happened is, what I, like me, when I started in my career, I saw a group of women coming in and we felt supported and it felt like the change is coming, but we did not see that at the management level. And when you reach to, so you will see one or two uh, managers mostly in other areas like HSC, human resources, those align with the, the knowledge or the understanding that women are caring and they're taking care of certain things, but knowing the technical positions, right? You don't see, you didn't see the, that, those uh, levels. And then if you go to the C-suites, you don't see any. Uh, if you look at the board levels, especially in the, in the energy industry. You didn't see any. Mm-hmm. So what is happening is at the beginning, I say, well, life happens. You know, you have kids, you have other priorities, but that is not the truth. The reality is that um, we have to be given some tools as, as women to compete. That perhaps because we have kids, at the end of the afternoon when job finished before COVID and the male counterparts, co-workers will go and take a drink at the bar and discuss certain things about their work that will bring some kind of insight of positions or projects that will be interested for uh, the future of that person. The female is not present. The female went to went home and went to do something else and is not exposed to that level of insight to give that advantage. So that happens a lot. Also, the way the female brain works about taking or, or being so naive or scared of asking for something. For example, it is proven that men, men ask four times more than women at, at work for position, for negotiation, for it negotiate four times more. And that 
give them an advantage, a, a big advantage when getting, um, uh, you know, selected to go on a rotation or getting to a, exposed to a bigger project or take a risk. So the more we can give women or make them aware of this, there is this bias, there is, you need to be, um, you know, they already know that you have to work harder, that you have to demonstrate that you um, you have the knowledge, that you have the, the degrees, demonstrate your titles, all your things, but also that you have to speak louder, show assertiveness, you have to uh, also be there in the, in the areas where the boys or boy clubs meet to try to get some insight as well. So I, I, that is why I'm seeing companies, the big ones, the big companies in the oil and gas industry or the energy industry, changing from women in energy, women in STEM to diversity and inclusion and or diversity, inclusion, equity and inclusion. And they're not showing the word women because we cannot do it our, ourselves. And when I mentioned the boys club and letting some people in the boys club to open up the doors for other, uh, for women, uh, the, the fact that we were for the last few years discussing among ourselves, women with energy talking with women. <laughs> and it's like, preaching to the choir and all of us singing Kumbaya, but mm -hmm. nothing was happening. So it, they, there was a shift. The numbers are there. Brendan keep calling the numbers. The numbers are there. Now let's talk. Let's change the, the way we mention, we call things. Let's call it diversity and inclusion. So the male, those decision makers who have themselves their biases, they feel aligned, they feel comfortable with what they know, what they, they have seen before, to start to open up, to start to be aware there are biases and that it is important that they put as a com as company organization some measures or policies in place to give uh, uh, the, the other the other part of the of the population, the other half of the population, the same level of opportunities that they 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 first had. That is um why I said in the beginning, well, at the end of Aaron's contribution, I didn't like that word colleague, because the women in the workplace are your colleagues as well, but they may not necessarily be your partners. You see the, the people that you, you meet after work and you take that drink. or the, And there's, there are reasons for that as well. The environment is such that, you know what, it, it is very different for a man to drink until 11 o'clock or midnight and then go home. It is not as safe for a woman to probably make the same kinds of hours or the same types of decisions because the risks are different. Also, even in terms of the manner in which you treat your colleagues, your co-workers. I'm going to talk about it. The way that the woman in the office might be treated does not encourage uh, equity. It does not encourage, I'm speaking to you as a co-worker, let's discuss ideas. There tend to be uh, agendas of opportunity and uh, personal interest and pleasure seeking that might diminish 
the the position that a woman could have in such a conversation because now if we're taking a drink after work it's not to discuss the project it's because i have a plan for you that might have nothing to do with work no they come to discuss you right so the, the thing is colleague <laughs> listen it's not about backing your colleagues it's about the boys club it's a partner thing no well, and and i, I get I, I try to be as politically correct in my statement as possible Hence, I corrected the partner statement. But it's a partner thing. It's not a colleague thing because right. the female co-workers are colleagues. Right. But what I will also add is something that I only became exposed to when I became a supervisor in my, in my, job, in my company. That a lot of the major deals and progress is made outside of the office. Okay. A lot of major deals are brokered on the golf course. And you rarely ever do see a woman on the golf course. Right? So I get what you're saying, Ricardo, about the boys club. And there has to, there has to, a lot of, there is a lot of work to be done to change that mentality. But how willing are men to do it? That's the thing. That, that's, the, that's the prevailing question. I like the direction that Celia took it when she mentioned alliances for change to occur you require more than just the affected you you require someone who has an interest but also has an authority or has position to support the affected if we only wait for the person who is affected to say that this is a problem and we need to work on it then the people who aren't affected will not make it a priority so acknowledging that there was a diversity issue and an inclusion issue instead of it just being a gender issue, allows for, listen, somebody has to hold the door open for everyone else. And the people who are in those positions right now have no interest in opening this door at all. So instead of taking turns knocking, we have to gather, we have to strategize, we have to support each other. And if push come to shove, kick down the door, build another room. And because you don't want to lose the personnel and the human resource that you know is responsible for the value that your company has, they'll be forced to make adjustments. But you will require that strategy and that that collective approach to it. And and I I really love the points that you all brought bringing across. And and Celia had had highlighted that you know. Even in the, um, I'm guessing now in the education and the mentoring of, of women coming up in the field is about getting them exposed and, and getting into those environments and, and maybe knocking and, and pushing and into the boys, cl- boys club door and actually starting to be part of the conversations. But there's, some, there, there's a part of it that I, I want to ask Celia a question. And, and Celia, this may sound like a weird question, but I honestly do believe that Women who have technical leadership positions like yourself bring your whole selves to the job in terms of how you think about problems and solve technical issues from your perspective. Now, everybody will have those biases and perspectives, but could you give us an example of where you would have brought your intuition, your your way of thinking about issues as a woman into the job, and it would have been an, an advantage to you in solving a problem? Because I, I really want our listeners to hear that um, women in leadership who are in these roles 
see these problems differently and could actually approach it in a different way. I, I, I'm not sure if my question making sense. Yes, it's making sense. And, and there are many instances. Um, I recall, for example, um, I, I will bring one recent, as recent as before COVID. Um, we were working in, in Guyana and in Guyana um, with the you know nascent oil and gas industry there are a lot of uh, skepticism skepticism about from the general population about oil and gas and um, there is lack of understanding and knowledge because it's something new and um, I decided to, because I like an energy education, to go and host some um, some training session with um, small kids, with uh, schools, primary schools, and this is in conjunction with the University of Guyana, who also wanted to bring some awareness about it. And uh, it was summer, so I decided to bring my son with me and bring my son and have him speak as a, the perspective of a 10-year-old what it's like to be in an oil and gas country because he's from Trinidad. So he spoke from, a, from the kids' perspective to the children about, you know, big trucks on the road, the pipelines, his mother going to work offshore and coming a few days after, uh, but also the opportunity to uh, have and um, learn food or play football, travel, what they, what they uh, travel to other countries because of my work and um, the, the opportunity for education because of the oil uh, industry revenue that was going to be created. Benefits so, such as electricity that, that um, is, is a big issue in Guyana, right? So, the kids were fascinated and all their, their hands were up trying to ask questions. And that was totally different to what normally in my organization they will do. They will just bring a bunch of old guys talking to the kids and it will be boring. There is this... Um, now than ever, these stereotyping of generations, right? And these young boys are, or girls are... Um, you know, digitally native, they want to know more. They, they, and he was with his iPad and he, he was talking. So that was just a, a simple example of bringing a different perspective as a female to bring awareness about the industry. And in many other cases, um, for example, working in, in, in on land operations, uh, we had issues with the community, you know, it, the wells are very close, and um, the every time we have a, a, um, a rig work, there is a lot of noise, and the community want to shut down the rig. We want to do the work um, whole night so we can finish, but that is noise pollution. They are, and these are people that perhaps are not even they are squatting in the area, but they have rights, and we needed to do something. So let's let's buy chicken and fries and have a conversation with the, the, the community and tell them that we need we just for one night and they were okay. 
just by this different approach instead of being like oh we we are the only industry we need to do that job uh, or typically typically female confrontational behavior and 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 that is another perspective that i could share that solved the issue we were able to do the work and everybody was happy so um it's just a, a examples of you know you as you mentioned the the lady with the vaccine it's just an example of women contribution and you know it's not to be taken or this this missing half of the population you are going to be losing a lot of talent um when it comes to the energy industry there is already a, a reduction in personnel um the young people are not uh, seeing the industry as appealing they see it as a bad wolf the, the one causing all so many problems and if you on top of that are reducing as well the or oh, you are not welcome women then you are going to be losing a, a lot of top talent that could bring revenue to your organization bring a, or open up a bigger a group of customers to your organization because they are bringing a different perspective i'm i'm very happy to hear the different perspective because what one thing that that stuck out to me here was the you all you appeal to the emotional side of it and not just we need to get this done you appeal to the the human side of the persons that would be Correct. affected and i that is something which uh excuse me fellas but something that we as men sometimes lack Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what you're talking about. I, I am always considerate of people's emotions. There's very little that I say and do that is so function-oriented that it dismisses feelings. All right, Aaron? And if you don't like that, it, you know what? You're right. You might be right. I think you're onto something. Definitely think you're onto something. something. You know that, I mean? that, that was just proof right there. <laughs> No, and, and, and that is the thing. You, you, you're trying to solve a problem like that. The first thing is to power through, you know? Yeah. Let's go, you know? Let's, we got to get this done. When, if you think holistically, hey, what are you trying to achieve? And that that is the, that, I mean, I, honestly, I would not have thought about doing it like that. And, I mean, and if you care about your business and your business surviving and revenue, you have to dip into all the talents that your organization has. Um, and that, that, that is, I mean, that's an excellent, I would have never thought about it like that, honestly. I mean, I had to be straight. That was a, a great example. Um, but Celia, in terms of, of your, uh, like the interesting projects and stuff that you would have worked on um, in your career, any of those stand out to you that um, that you feel really proud of? And I know sometimes these projects just have, um, yeah, you can't really give like too much details. But any any of those that you would have been proud of that you know you, you felt that they you know would have made an impact? Because I also want women listening to see that uh, it's not just from the perspective of um, of, of leading um, and managing on that side, but also on the technical side. So. Any of those that you could share with us as well and for our listeners? 
I will have to speak very broadly because yes. I cannot give details. Yes. But um, when, when I say, and, and that was also some of the things that make me uh, become bet a better engineer is, for example, when you are working in a project where you need to uh, quantify the amount of resources or the oil and gas into a allocation or a field uh, of a com or a company is not just doing the calculation for calculation sakes. So what that means, and that is the message to the young um, engineers out there is, you know, you are doing something and we are so immersed in the everyday work and just, just to do A, B, and C, and not see the big picture. Why is important to calculate the oil and gas in that field or in that company, the resources? That is the value of that company. And ultimately, if it's a national oil company, it's the value of that country. And that is what you do, or the country will go to the bank and ask for loans, for development of the country, for more hospital, for roads, or for many other projects for the development of the stakeholders. And in, in, the case, in this case, is the country is, you know, that, that kind of work that was being done calculation of reserves or um, preparing. Um, a drilling campaign or, or, or being able to de determine what are the, the different tasks or activities that are needed to revitalize or rejuvenate a field that is, is, uh, is old, is mature and is declining. What can you do to revive it? So those are the things that will not only have a Reviving a field will be good for the company, but reviving a field will be good for the, will be good for the community. So the the people, the fence lines community, will have jobs, and they will have people coming in because I mean, even if you are a vendor of fruits on the outside of the of that company, if there are workers, if there is activities, you are going to be selling those fruits. So it is have a, a chain effect into the the whole country and um, that is the kind of satisfaction that i i get that i am contributing towards something bigger and uh, as engineers you know they they have to be all all, all the time mindful of that and um, you know being aware of um, ethics um being aware there is a lot of uh, in the world a push to go stem but there is not um, so much push about being able to appreciate the arts or being human and just calculation. And you need to have a balance because uh, you are you are not alone. And um, we have suffered some for many downturns or many uh, crises globally that are due to mean people who were only about behind the profits their internal profit and when things exploded it affected all of us so and who are the people extremely extremely bright people but they did not have that part or appreciation of humanity and the arts and all the other things that make you make us human and understanding of respect for others so there is a balance as yes stem is good 
and it's, it's important for the calculations, for the understanding of this, the sciences behind what you are going to do, but have that balance. Learn a, a different language, a travel, be exposed to other cultures, uh, learn to play an instrument, appreciate the arts. All of that is important it, it, to make you all-rounded and um, to be proud of your culture, where you come from, and, and be able to stand up in front of everyone or anyone and state your, um, your ideas, being proud, being assertive. Um, I think uh, men are doing it, but we will encourage women to do it as well. I know um, recently there's been a shift from STEM to STEAM. Is actually the inclusion of arts in that acronym now. So it's um it's a definite drive towards ma- maintaining a better balance to to creating a more humane approach to problem solving and to the corporate structure. And the sad thing about it is um. I just remember Jordan Peterson was having a discussion that turned out to be a very heated debate about the difference in pay, the because of um, the, the the pay gap across the genders, and one of the reasons that they came up with was that men, as you mentioned earlier, will ask men will actually present themselves for positions they will. They will signal that they are interested in better compensation or opportunities. So there was something that they were calling the aggression factor, which was really assertiveness. So the catch now is to try to encourage assertiveness because even recently, a number of discussions I've been having have centered around the fact that it is not a lack of competence that is keeping people from progress, but a lack of confidence. And... When you have to consider the pushback that women get because, oh, she'll be an angry black woman or these women are so emotional or she's a B-word to work with and all of these things because a woman is assertive or refuses to surrender space or surrender in a negotiation, etc. It's one thing to come out here and say, you know what, just ask for it or keep banging on the door or break that ceiling. But the environment itself actually punishes as it, it it's so whimsical. It might punish as much as reward you for your assertiveness. Yes, so. it's true. It's true. And it's, one, it's, it's a thin balance into being assertive and being bossy or being um, what she thinks she is. Mm. <laughs> you know, why she's doing, why is she speaking like that? And why, she, why she's always angry. Um, so one of the things that, that's... Um, women face at the moment is to be able to be aware and know when to use it it, it is it's not it's not that easy it's not that easy and and actually there is a lot of training there is a lot of um support that uh, we're trying to put recently in the end of June, SP had a conference and there was a workshop on women and the power of negotiation. So we had an expert from the U.S. who has written a few books about it. He had this workshop with, with women and it was actually open to everyone. And what you mentioned about women asking um, she brought it up. She brought the numbers. She she mentioned that women, even for a job, women are waiting 
to have 100% of the qualifications that are put in their ad to apply. While men are saying, mm-hmm. man, I'm the, I'm the man. I am the man. And they don't have half of it. Mm-hmm. Yes, it, yeah. it just have to be. Uh, and, and so this, this is a kind of uh, work that needs to be done with women. So it's, it's, it's two ways. It's, it's working on giving the, the women the tools. It's working, getting the men on board. It's as organization showing them it, this is going to hurt you in your pocket. So it's better you do it now because this is how the future is, is looking and it's not looking good for those organizations who are not embarking in that journey of embracing diversity and inclusion. And then there's also the the balance of organization to put together a number of policies that will remove some of the biases, some of the, um, you know, when you are going to recruit for any position, put some some structure in place so you ensure that you have a diversity a diverse uh, group of people to choose from. And of course, you are choosing the best. And to choose the best, perhaps you have to find different ways to recruit that are are new to the organization. Because it is also, you know, we are aware of you will recommend who you know. Mm -hmm. So perhaps the, the people that you know are not the best for the job. There are so many more people out there. So trying to have a broad um, base to reach from, to collect information is, is another way that organizations could help to start to, to diversify and have a pipeline of candidates for leadership that is also diverse. So when it reach to those areas that is critical, especially in Trinidad, when it comes to the C-suites, managers, middle management and upper management, when we're not seeing that diversity, that you have prepared them so they can be chosen uh, when it, the time reach. So you you are asking, and all you know, you, you know what hmm. coming with you already, yeah? hmm. you are asking for equitable succession planning. Can you re, can you um, reframe that? Because can you explain what you mean with equitable? <laughs> I, I just I don't wanna. I, 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 let me I, to I, clarify. What I just say is not that I will pref- I will I want you to choose. Uh, um, there is an opportunity for a job or a, a opening, and you choose a female just because of that. No, I will not no. say that. Right. No, I, I I didn't think that. What when I say equitable, I mean choosing the best person for the position, given the resources available. Yes, is that a utopic? Yeah, that's ex- that. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> because the, these guys know my my position when it comes to succession planning already. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How, how poor it is. <laughs> so. Yeah. Mm, you are asking for that. That's a big shift already. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, well, um, what, what we are seeing is those companies who Brendan mentioned that are succeeding, that they are making the money and 
amazing revenue the business cases there is because they have put they have done their work and uh, we learn from their uh, lessons is that the the approach is top down is never uh, buttons up and the reason is as was mentioned by Ricardo is that those who are being uh, affected are never the ones who make the change because they simply have no power to make those changes so it have to be by those who have the power and the powers are the ones at the c suite and it have to make sense to them so establishing those programs early on and you know being genuine about it you no know, because okay it's good is 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 the the buzzword being the and i yes um no but it's because it's going to affect us in in this mid to long term uh as these people retire and we have a number of uh, people in the pipeline who all think the same and the world is changing and we no matter where we will live or work we are in constant contact with people from different background and having that fresh input will really bring revenue for the organization because they will really attract talent it will be like a company that everybody will want to work uh in so that is um, what that is what, what we are learning from those who who had been there before and and, and that's that what Celia raised is is critical for any any business especially energy and here and I I mean when I, when she when Celia said talk about that that part of succession planning my, my head started with my little bit too boy because I too feel it because it is it's very very worrisome I know of one major engineering firm that went to a major university in the UK to recruit and um, and nobody showed up you know and this is an international firm that has been known for to providing very novel good engineering solutions to the field and being able to attract people because and when they went back to the students and asked them why is because of the growth opportunities to so some of the other uh, engineering startups maybe more on the technology side and others creating opportunities for, for 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 diversity and allowing people to grow within those businesses and then there are other types of engineering firms who may not necessarily have those sort of frameworks of succession planning and they're losing out on on, on attracting talent and that is a survival eh? You can't survive without without attracting talent. And, and Celia, thank you for raising that because I think that's really important for us to talk about. One of the things that I, a, a recruiter mentioned recently uh, is this new generation of uh, engineers coming out. They are interviewing you instead of you interviewing mm-hmm. them, right? <laughs> that is the approach, right? And it was shocking for me because I remember in my interviews, you kind of all nervous and you're trying to prove that you, and they are not, they are full of themselves and say, what do you have for, you know, what is your uh, you offering in terms of um, um in the game in terms of female what is your offer mm-hmm. for for female in- inclusivity or minorities 
Sorry about that. I, I, I clicked by mistake. I, I apologize. Sorry about that. Sorry. <laughs> no you can problem. go ahead. Use your point. We'll pull it back together. Go ahead. Yes. Um, so they they wanted to know if uh, how they treat minorities, uh, if the the case of gender um, inclusivity was something that they have, if they have paternity leave. So many things that are novel that new companies are bringing and the old traditional companies perhaps are not showing it. So they are being interviewed by the these new engineers coming out of university. So that is what is the, the companies are facing. And those who don't want to listen will feel it. Mm-hmm. Um, as we read an article in the Times, I believe it was, and they were stressing how many premier elite athletes were no longer re-signing with Nike. Once they um once their contract expired, they were more likely to pair with a startup or a smaller company or something that was a little more aware of diversity on a personal level. So you are seeing that people are now recognizing the value of their contribution and they are more comfortable aligning it with an entity that would allow for a maximum mutual exchange a maximum mutual growth is no longer just a case of well we're the big boy so we get the best the best are saying no we're going where we could make the most marginal change the most marginal difference where you know what i could be one of a a a, a pack i could be one of a pack or i could be a prize stallion and there's better opportunity for me to be a prize stallion than to just get chucked into a pack and you're seeing companies are more willing to flex and suit and build relationships around their talent as opposed to just um, funneling people into and out of your system. Yes, yeah, so there's a transactional, transactional uh, yeah. relationship and yeah. that is not fulfilling for, for them. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, the, the thing is, and again, this is coming up more and more, but people aren't trading in results anymore. They're trading in trust. If I cannot put my talent, my name, my career, and my expertise with your name, then I'm not going to engage. It doesn't matter how big you are or how well you're doing, but what is it going to cost me in terms of opportunity, in terms of public opinion, in terms of my personal growth? You're right, the novel ideas now are becoming the the primary motivator. If I'm not comfortable where I am, I'm not staying. If you can't make me more comfortable, then I'm not coming. And if organizations had been paying attention, then they wouldn't be caught up with these last-minute and forced diversity and inclusion trainings that everyone has to go on now, and these sensitivity trainings that everyone has to go on now, because the individual voices and the individual groups have been lobbying for these changes for decades. And now when all the five fingers have combined to form a fist and we're saying no more it has to change it is it is cheaper now to train than to pay out a lawsuit so even if they legitimately have an interest in diversification if they have an interest in inclusion now a lot of it seems superficial because everybody has to do it now but you know something that you said just now that i'm wondering if if like if the dichotomy between 
the perception that is a woke generation, which I don't, I, when people say that, it gets me very, very upset because I, I think that we miscategorize and label the generation coming up, all right, um, in a negative way. Aaron, I, I'm sorry to, to pull you out into this one eh, because I, you're the youngest G here. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but, you with, with um put your TikTok account and yeah, that's on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> but in terms of what is it that that um do you think leaders not getting with this generation that is demanding? I mean, see, they said it. They 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 interviewing the employers, the the younger generation coming and 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 with I wouldn't say a list of demands, but they, they're looking for something deeper. I mean, what is it in this this whole dynamic that they think they're not getting right? I know you're um, a man of the culture, so I, I pull in on your way. Um, there are two ways to look at it. One, there's no more, as I think Ricardo said this at some point, there's no more working for the same organization for 33 years. Mm-hmm. And for me personally, I don't um, subscribe to it. But personal growth in an organization is important. There must be room for improvement. I can't sign up as a clerk and then eight years later, I'm still a clerk. I didn't go to school and study this hard to be stuck in the same position for so many years. Right? So as a result of that, it leads for, I I can't speak for others. I can speak for myself. I will ask questions to know does it really make sense for me to come to this organization? Because I, I don't intend to stay in the same position forever. And I know now, for me as a, as a, as a man, I am big on the, the paternity leave part of it because I don't have children as yet. So on numerous job interviews, I ask the question, what's the policy for paternity leave? And if you say that the policy is non-existent, I wouldn't say it at the interview, but thanks, but no thanks. It's in the interview. Mm. They need to know that's what the <laughs> problem is. Right? But now that's the thing. The, this, I wouldn't say this generation, but we are coming and understanding that there are needs beyond the job that need to be fulfilled. So we are asking the questions. And if the organization is not progressive, there's the chance that we will willingly walk away. Yeah. I saw, um, and it's not, what you call it, tuck, tick, or it's TikTok, Ricardo. It's TikTok. Listen, until the people either one paying us for saying the name, I'm going to call it wrong every time, right? Your, 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 your tattoo. But you see, Go ahead by, now, you know what it is you're talking about. By, by saying it incorrectly, you are marginalizing a, a part of a potential listenership which understands what that does. Anyhow, right? Um, I saw on Twitter the other day that managers and, and top level management will pay a consultant for something that the employees have been saying for years. Mm-hmm. And I think that needs to stop. Actually, no, I don't think. It needs to stop. That's what we're talking about, Aaron. Up your assertiveness. Well Up said. the assertiveness. <laughs> Tell me how you really feel. This dancing around the pointing. It's not getting the job done. 
I, I can't tell you how I really feel on the podcast, but yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I love you too, Aaron. Normalize male affection. I love you too, bro. I am... Silly, I don't I don't know if you, you mind if I ask you something a little more personal. No, I mean, not saying that your career isn't personal, you know, but um, if you could go back to yourself, let's say 10, 15 years ago, right? You, what what is the most important thing you would tell young you to better prepare you for the path that you are currently on? I think you, you mentioned assertiveness and I, and I, you had mentioned at the beginning that the, the, the males will look, look more aggressive but it's assertive. I think that will be, in my case, uh, I will be more assertive. I will ask more because that will have um, will give me the opportunity to move faster. Every time I ask, I was given. So I oh. should have been ask, asking for more mm-hmm. or more often or more often. So this is something that I did not even realize until I was on that workshop at the end of June. And it was like, <laughs> it was an epiphany mm-hmm. of uh, looking at my past and how um, it, it perhaps I will be more aggressive in my actions to get uh, what I wanted because I was being exposed to projects, but I was still very passive. Mm-hmm. Then I would have been advanced uh, further in my career faster than I did. Oh, that is that is beautiful, and that is why we try to have these types of conversations. Yeah. This this is why we trying to get to the, the the real meat of the matter, because there, God willing, there will be young people, there will be young women who come across this, or you know, they they interested in the types of things that we speak about, and she could hear something that could save her ten or twelve years. She could hear something that says, "Hey, listen." This is more than about what you know. This is about what you have to contribute. And a lot of the times we are afraid of, even on a base level, being rejected. So we don't put ourselves out there. So I am I'm really, really glad to hear you say that. Really glad to hear you say that. That is something I would have told my younger self if I met him, to be more confident. Maybe not aggressive, but definitely more confident. Because if you don't ask, the answer is always no. That's correct. Well said. Celia, you said something before that I want to I want to go back to. I, I, because I find it was so powerful when we started talking about it. Because I want to ask the the connection between the arts and engineering and science. Yeah, and that is something that I, I see as critical for development in anybody, and, and, and actually in, in any field. Um, and I, I think even us here in Inquisitive Minds, we are kind of a product of that in our own way. You know, Aaron is, uh, I will say, a musicologist. He's more than just into music. Is understanding the art form and what it means and he's a finance professional right ricardo worked for a number of years in operations in a technical mm. field 
and is in his heart an artist. And well, for me, I just kind of lolling around. But, and bacon. <laughs> and bacon. <laughs> <laughs> and bacon cakes or cookies. But and we I, don't I, get any of. Oh, None. Come on. You know. All right, I don't know. That's not true. We've gotten. That's not true. All right. Thank you very much, Suze. You know, it's seven, like a round coming. <laughs> Counting on the days. But, and I, I think that's so important. Uh, Celia, any, any, any example of, of from your career that you can, and, I, and because of your job, I know the thing, you can't give specifics, but like any examples where your balance between art and engineering would have played a role in, in, in your problem solving? Um, is I in my examples are more about the human connection. Is you know when you have that sensitivity, you have that emotional intelligence mm-hmm. to really connect people to give them to to be at ease with you. Even in the, the you know the the more difficult situation, pressure eh, on a rig or to solve an issue on the rig, if there is eh, that appreciation for that human connection that was learned through the arts, then you can manage that pressure. You can, eh, even if it's as a service company and you are dealing with an angry client on the rig, you can also pacify and make things to then focus on the problem by just having that understanding. And um, now the big Ivy Leagues in the US are when they're choosing their candidates, it's important. It's no longer I'm the best. I only have A's and and no, it's, it's just about the art. It's just about what kind of uh, sports do you play? And I don't want to hear about swimming alone because swimming mm-hmm. is a very isolated sport. Do you play some kind of sport that includes other people, a team effort? <laughs> so that means how you communicate, how you work with others. And then do you do any voluntary work? What do you do for your community? Mm-hmm. So it is really a all-rounded approach. You are going to be a cricketer. You have to be all-rounded <laughs> and um, um, be able to do everything. And um, to me, that is what has helped me. I more recently in a meeting that was online, of course, with some clients, all male. I was the only female. And it was drilling, discussion about drilling. And usually in the drilling field, the guys like to, they are very open, they are very aggressive and they curse a lot. And, <laughs> and they don't understand certain, um, certain results that, I was, that was being shown. And I was not the person who did the job, but I understood and I was presenting it. And um, they did not agree. They simply did not agree. So I have to appeal, as Ricardo said, to something bigger than the results and say, what do you don't understand? Well, it doesn't make sense. And when I explain it again, and then they say, I say, and why this is important is because there are some certain consequences like uh, well blowouts. And this is a small well, perhaps it will not affect 
lives, but it will affect the environment and it will affect, you know, your rep company's reputation and all those things. Um, then the things calm down and they, they started to see things from others, other perspective. And that is, to me, my appreciation for certain things that give me that emotional intelligence to appeal and, and, and create those connections. I am taking that because communication is an art form. I don't care what anybody else says about it. The ability to transmit and translate information is art. That, Even if it's in a second language, right? Especially. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that, this, this is why I keep trying to encourage Aaron to, you know, why are you looking at me like that? This is, I, I want, I, this young man has so much potential and so much knowledge and so much experience. And you know what? There's the, the there's a dichotomy that Brendan spoke about, but there's is a duality even where he is a finance professional and he's an entertainer. And until those both realms reflect each other, he'll be he'll be leading two separate lives. Each one has something to contribute to the other aspect of what it is you're doing. So I will tell everybody that stop compartmentalizing who you are and make the best general contribution because of not just what you know but because of who you are if you weren't there you couldn't do it but you are there so do that's my that's my thing like i i get it i love i love the fact that you could have recognized the situation for what it was and address what the problem was in the way that only you could have in that moment that is that is a powerful thing that is an art form that is an art form. Sorry, I, mean, I get I get passionate sometimes. No, no, no. I mean, so, this is I mean, I, I, I that's why I wanted to go back to it so bad because I, I find that such a powerful, powerful point that it is more than the technical knowledge, um, and what enhances and makes the technical knowledge much more impactful in terms of bringing about the changes you want to see. And you know, building the organization, building the revenue is the connection to people. And what you would have learned from the arts and understanding people makes you a better technical engineer, a technical manager, a technical lead. And and I, I think that sometimes is lost. And you know, in development, people we focus on the ability to do the calculations. And Celia would have said it: the, the ability to do the assessment is one part. But if you can't do that and marry that with the people aspect and the communication aspect that that um, that we have mentioned there, Ricardo, right? you're not you're not able to kind of to be a, a whole leader. And I, I find that such a, a such a powerful statement, and that's why I have a lot of respect for for people who can do that, like Aaron yourself, Cardo, who has those two rules, but were able to kind of bring those together and kind of make it work and enhance them. So you know, may, maybe. Um, one side of your 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 work kind of trip, you know, bleeds across to the next side and, and makes it better and vice versa. So, mm -hmm. You know, I, I found um, that was extremely powerful. And just 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 throwing out two cents here. One of the things which continues to speak out to me in this, and Celia, thank you very much for raising it, is the importance of 
group assignments when we are in university, they are one of the most fair activities. I am not going to lie. <laughs> I remember having, when I was doing my degree, to have to do an entire group assignment from midnight to 5 a.m. because my group did not pull through. But in them not pulling through, it made me understand a strength in myself of operating under extreme pressure. But group work is, watch me, one of the most important things you have to learn to do because no man is an island. Are you? What? I said, that's you. I am an island. We didn't learn that we need to be more appreciative of people, Ricardo, in this episode. Listen, I could be an island in an archipelago, all right? Give me a chance. Brendan. <laughs> work well with others and teamwork. And, Brendan. Oh. I know what to say, boy. I, 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 I really don't know. I I, 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 I can't mute myself now because of that one. No, no, no. But all, all, all kicks aside, it is really important to be able to work with others. Not just to get the job done, but because you have no idea how much you don't know. And having a team around you makes it easier to learn. It makes it easier to get up when you fall because falling is inevitable. And to be to to have a community around you that you could rely on is one of the most important things that you could have for progress. Because in the event something goes wrong, and it will, the results at that point in time not going to fix it. The results at that point in time not going to make it better. At that point in time, it is the community you are in and the team you are a part of that is going to get the job done. And if you cannot trust the people that you are working with and learning with and studying with and playing with, then what do you have? What do you have if you can't trust your team? And if your team has not shown that they support your interests and support your agenda and will back you, well, then you really have to ask yourself if you're on the right team, if you're in the right place. Because when it will who is going to be there to help you pick up the pieces and that is what a lot of these young people are looking at right now they are looking at the well i don't know if you are caught close but you know the exons and the mexican the they're looking at the um the nazi incident things that happen that become case studies at that <sighs> People looking for community. They're looking for connection. They're looking for connection and they will sacrifice things like income in the absence of community and connection. Well said. I'm really glad that Celia is putting in the kind of work that she is to establish your communities. No, it's important. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, and we're coming to a little bit to the end, guys. And I want us to. I don't know if anyone um, maybe ask one last round of questions. Um, Celia, we, we know we took up a lot of your time in this interview. Uh, we're very, very thankful. Um, uh, in terms of, um, I know you're a very busy person in terms of the work that you have to do and stuff like that. So we're very, very grateful. Um, but in, in closing, one of the, the last questions I'd like to ask is, um, in terms of mentorship, any kind of mentorship um, that is out there available for, for women in, in engineering or STEM that you can 
speak to that maybe our audience could kind of look forward to? Thank you for that question. Actually, um, last year in August, so by this August comment, we will be celebrating one year of the establishment in SPE of the Diversity and Inclusion Committee. That is a committee I was leading uh, and I am, um, I just came, just came off from that um, a committee as I finished my year of establishment. And um, one of the things that we, our mandate when we established uh, this committee as part of the SPE in Trinidad and Tobago was to uh, have a mentorship program. And this mentorship pro program was actually open to young uh, students and, and young professionals, male and female. Um, and it was open to international people as well, students and young professionals. And what we did based on the feedback and the number of people that we got is to break them in groups of five or six mentees and two mentors from the industry. And we prepare presentations on many topics, mainly soft skills. And these soft skills went from preparing a presentation skills, communication, internal, um, internal office politics, what we call office politics, which is so important as you talk about the, the boys club. <laughs> um, so the, the office politics navigating um, those things that are inherited in women about our self-doubt, uh, things like the imposter syndrome that women have, like, uh, do I deserve that? This? Am I prepared for this? And, uh, and we navigated many things, including balancing work and life. And it was amazing. It was a safe, safe place where um, these mentees spoke about, we presented videos, uh, training, uh, free training. And um, at the end, they, they completed a, a cycle of three months of mentorship that was really very, uh, I'm very happy that we, we did it. I, I learned a lot because you see what they're going through, especially those young young uh, students coming out of university, uh, is not something that I experiment when I came out of university. So that that it was a, like a win-win for us. We were learning as well. We were sharing our experience and at the same time being aware of what is important for them or what is um, affecting them at the moment. So. It, it was a wonderful experience that we will try, we will try now, we will replicate for this following year. The, the next person will be selected, um, the next uh, DNI chair will be selected by the SP board soon and it will be announced. But the idea is to build on those um, topics that we cover in last year mentorship. And uh, as more things like right now, we have things like four generations working and we have ageism is something as well that is taking place and causing a lot of friction in, in the workplace so there's mm. stereotyping the boomers and the millennials and gen x and the gen, uh, gen, z, gen z's yeah. and mm. um 
and it's um it's it, it's not no more than ever what is important or how you learn or how you what what a boomer our generation x think about a mentor or how training is it's totally different for someone with gen z who is accustomed to a webinar and i i a webinar will be enough for me to learn something and they they approach the things like the the boomer or gen x will want to look follow me shadow me and learn from me so and that is just an example of the differences so we are um, working and invite uh, the young people out there who are listening that we will be promo promoting these or calling for those who want to participate uh, in this mentorship and take advantage of it. it it was wonderful i wish i had that kind of program when i was starting because it will have given me a lot of um, knowledge uh, or, or insights of how to navigate the world of work at that time. That's excellent, boy. excellent. And um, I really admire that it was over a three month period. Normally when you hear these things, it's like a one-off, but to have it as an integrated program, that's, that's excellent. Work with the SPE. Yes, and good for those volunteers. Uh, uh, mentors who took their time they we formed like whatsapp groups different groups so each group had a whatsapp group they communicate they meet on zooms or teams and and they having their conversations that were very very powerful conversation insight of what they're going through uh we touch many topics from from the normal uh, you know communication presentation skills to you know gender bias uh, racism in the workplace so many topics it, it was wonderful that is that is really encouraging i just got out of a well not got out of but you're after the first uh semester of our girls empowerment program and one I was, I was, <laughs> it was different to what I anticipated going in. And there was so much that I had to learn that I did not know about, even in terms of the communication and just, I did not know how much I'd have learned from the girls. That was, that was the thing. I did not realize how much of this learning thing was going to be a mutual exchange. Yeah, it, it was one thing to come on, you know, to facilitate and to, talk on a topic and then to ask questions and yeah, 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 great, great, great. And then there would be this profound moment where you as a person, you shift perspective, you shift because something was asked or said or something was put into a context that you had ignored before. And it's just the change that comes from being exposed to people changing. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. I'm, I'm really glad to hear, really glad to hear that. And great work, great work. Great work. Thank you. Yeah, um, I, I have an interesting question, though, because of the, uh, the, 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 the assertiveness aspect. I'm going to give you an opportunity for this assertiveness that we spoke on. So in this session, in this meeting, and on record, what advice would you give to us as a young program? You know, as a young program, you know, having sat here with us for this time, you know, what what advice would you give to us? I will tell you, um, as I will tell my my son, I will tell any young people because I tend to do a lot of um, um, teaching, I will say. 
is um, discipline and hard work. Uh, uh, you know, will any time prove to be better that that uh, innate um, how you call skills? Someone coming with good skill because they were born with it, but they are not disciplined. They will not reach far. So, as a young program, once you are disciplined, you plan and you work hard at it. You keep at and establish your, your plans and stick to it. Of course, with a level of flexibility because all of us are humans and things happen and you adapt. But discipline and hard work for success, I think those are the main tools for success. And um, I hope to see or, or be welcome to episode 100 or more. Definitely. Oh boy, thank you, thank you. Oh, that was very, very nice. Setting an alarm. <laughs> Episode 100 is yours. 100, nice. For sure, for sure, for sure. Yeah, man. Yeah. Master A. Yo. How are you doing, sir? Soaking it in. Yeah, boy. Well, you know, I just always ask you to, to close us out, bro. Uh, I call in on your expertise again. My expertise, yes, wow. <laughs> <laughs> to bring it home now, you know, it's always help us refocus. To bring it home. You know, yeah. um, firstly, I want to start by telling Celia, thank you very much for taking the time to spend with That's us inside Inquisitive Minds and not only imparting that lovely closing message to us, but the knowledge which you are imparting to our listeners. Because there were some gems which were dropped except Cardo's um was called this thing but the man start with it and uh, it traumatized me <laughs> cabbage and coleslaw right anyhow right Look. um hmm. you know thank you very much Celia again like the no that knowledge and not just the knowledge of the of the education but the social part of it the emotional intelligence part of it, which I continue to stress as being very important to the workplace. Powerful. Right? We look forward to having you again, as you said, for episode 100. Or before. Sure. Or before. <laughs> or or know, before. We, we, and, and, and for the listeners out there, we are not going to stop. We are going to continue having these kinds of conversations on inquisitive minds. And if you, you, after listening to this one, if you feel the need to listen to the others, the other nine, what you can do is head across to where you'd find your major podcasts and search for Inquisitive Minds wherever you put an S. Put a Z. Put a Z. All right. Yeah, Thanks, man. guys. Thank you very much. Thank you, Celia. Thank you for I having me. And Celia, I'll, I'll, I'll leave, if, if there's anything that you want to mention to close us off in terms of the work that you're doing, uh, reaching out in terms of the, I know you do a lot of work with SP, anything that you want to close off with, feel free, you can go ahead now, um, and we'll leave the floor open to you to close. Well, um, for those students who are out there, um, there are many um opportunities for collaboration, for uh, networking, 
even in the times of COVID online uh, through SBE. I have been a member of SBE for 20 years and I am an example of what they have given me the opportunity to network, the opportunity to learn so many things, including that workshop that opened my mind of being more assertive or asking more. Um, take advantage of, of what is out there. Be brave, work hard. Um, nothing good comes easy. And um, it, will, it will not reach to you because you are a woman. It will reach to you because you are good. So work at it and, um, and keep the faith.